here to allocate you one dose of podcast greatness. It's Future Please, a hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I'm but a poor soul stuck on level red. Peter. Peter, what episode did we watch this week? We got into season seven, episode five, Critical Care. We're moving through this episode, uh, the season fast, huh? Kind of feels like it. Although, really, we, we even took a week off, and it feels like it's going quickly. I don't know. I think it's because I see the end in sight, and I kind of want to... That light at the end of the tunnel is getting ever closer, I, and you feel I the hope. I, I wouldn't say it's hope, man. I mean, I think at this point, for a while, I've genuinely enjoyed watching Voyager. I, I care about the characters. I'm invested. I'm enjoying the great stories when they come out and even the middle of the road stuff. Um, you know, it's not a bad way for me to spend my Wednesday night every week. This was a nice refreshing, uh, increase in quality. As far as I'm concerned, we had, uh, a couple, uh, I wouldn't even call them near misses last week. I think we both walked away pretty disappointed with what ends up being the last Maquis episode in repression week before that was drive, which Which was was an interesting episode that just had really baffling relationship dynamics. Uh, This one I think is more clear cut. It's a good episode and it's a good watch. And it's one of those in, in the canon of great Picardo acting doctor moments that end up really carrying the show a lot. Like Robert Picardo picks it up, puts it in his backpack and he gets the distance out of it. It, I don't think this episode even necessarily required the Picardo treatment. Uh, This was, it was a strong concept. It was good sci-fi. It was good. What if Uh, it's nice to see alien races that aren't two dimensional captain planet villains you know and there's um some interesting stuff at play here yeah my my praise of picardo is not to diminish that the overall episode concept is good um they they could take the extra distance to set a mood and don't tell you too much two of my favorite things of like we this alien race is a bit mysterious we don't get a lot of details what's going on but we don't need them because the doctor isn't exposed to that information so why should we the audience know it and and second it too much detail can can take away from the story and so they they zero in on the characters and building a a tale here that you start to actually care about by the end it's been a while since we've had this conversation and, and i think it really shines here Voyager can do such a miserable job sometime um, running the ball into the ground. You can have a really sweet concept. And when they start coloring in the picture to really flesh it out, it's it's not crayons they're using. It's it's human poop on their finger. And you're like, oh, my God, this should have been awesome. And instead, why is this so stinky? Yeah, I don't even want to put it in the trash can. I'm going to drive up the street to the gas station and throw it away there. So. Sometimes with Star Trek Voyager, I prefer to have stuff in play that's not explained and I can just use my mind's eye and and flesh things out myself. And it's a much better experience than them saying, no, this is definitely the way it is. And it definitely sucks. You got a teleplay by James Kahn, story by Kenneth Biller and Robin Doherty and directed by Terry Wendell. So uh, we got some bewilderment going on, and I'd say this is on the better end of the bewildering spectrum. This is the bewildering season. So his fingerprints have season of bewilderment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've seen that in the up down quality um, as well in its own respect. We've definitely got some, shall we say, head scratchers to come. But this is this is him that I would call the height of his powers. You know, his powers is I mean his creativity is his his greatest strength, right? Like that he comes up with these wild ideas and he's Kenneth Bewilder because sometimes his wild ideas are are garbage piles that are thrown flaming from Mount AIDS. And sometimes <laughs> they're actually really good. And this is this is an example of really just hitting all the notes correctly. And we the episode does not wait to to get into its action. You start with, I guess, what you call a nice CG tracking shot of the time. 
It is a true LucasArts opener. Ripped straight from your 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 Dark Forces DVD, man. This is uh <laughs> This is the very best their complete lack of money could buy. It's elementary and it's objectively bad early 2000 I'm sorry well I guess it's late 2000s because it's November uh bad 2000 CGI but it's pretty dope man like if I would have been sitting there playing uh whatever LucasArts game maybe Shadows of the Empire and I saw this I'd be like oh damn where's Cal Katan going this is <laughs> this it does seem like a really interesting planet you know yeah. it's, it, it you've got which they whole... never explain I love it nope you never get to know anything about it. There's this city. It's just this cloud cover. It looks kind of like a polluted and industrial. They're in this ship. For some reason, the hospital is in a ship that's like like a Independence Day aliens above the city. Like, like they're going to strike the White House at any time. My, we don't know why this is. It just is. Well, in my mind's eye, this is a, uh, a mining, a heavily industrial uh, planet where you've got a lot of sick people and the illness is so pervasive that you have to put treatment up in the air otherwise if it's planet side people are gonna get worse or maybe the ships have to kind of like float over to where the hot spots are i don't know the imagination runs wild yeah great right yeah come up with your own answer uh, but on this ship a hospital ship as we will come to understand a an alien that looks like a dog fucked a fish <laughs> by the name of gar I call him Dr. Seuss character. Yeah, he actually looks great. I like his makeup. This is one of the most radical departures from Delta Quadrant shitheads we have seen. Yeah, this is the exact opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to effort, by the way, when it, in Aliens in this episode. You've got this guy who's got this intricate sort of facial construction. Grinch. There was definitely some, like, drawings to put together. Yeah, he looks like the Grinch meets Delta Quadrant scum. And then the main alien for, for this for this entire episode are just humans. They're just dudes. It's like the, the fucking candy corn tragedy from season one. We're on this planet in the Delta Quadrant, and we've got not human humans. <laughs> no explanation. They are the Denali, and they may as well be the second group of 37s that got plopped out in the middle of the Delta Quadrant. You also have a third race at play here. Um, what's his name? Chellick? Chellick is the character's name. I forget the, his, uh, his race's name. He's the only example of them I think we see on screen. Well, we get a, a real quick introduction to this guy, and he is the administrator for this floating hospital. So Dr. Seuss shows up looking a little skittish. And uh, the first scene we have inside the floating hospital is very, very ugly. Uh, take the worst free clinic in the middle of a epidemic, right? And turn half the lights off and you've got this place. Yeah, like um, not even like COVID full, more like, you know, contagion full. <laughs> You know, if you're you're ranking what it looks like, it's definitely dystopia level hospital. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Clear vibe they're going for here. And we find that uh, Gar is here to trade with Chellick. And uh, after a little bit of buildup, he reveals he, in fact, has a familiar looking silver triangle. The doctor's mobile emitter and a button or press or two and he materializes in said dystopian hospital setting and is like, Oh, what the actual fuck is this? <laughs> they initialize him and he comes out with the please state the nature of the medical and he doesn't even finish, you know, emergency. Cause he's just looking around like, Oh, I'm in hell. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this would technically be a hell for him or if this is like taking like I am designed at my 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 purpose in life is to treat sickness in extreme circumstances like I would think that things are so bad in this hospital when he gets turned on that his little holographic penis got hard like <laughs> this is what I was made for. This is a medical emergency. The doctor is uh, says immediately that Gar stole him from. Uh, Voyager, and he is upset about this. 
Meanwhile, you've got uh, Chellick negotiating uh, with Gar for him as he explains that he's a doctor. And handily, the doctor is like, oh, I see a wounded person. Got, got someone with a broken leg over there. I, I can't I can't not help because I, I am still a toaster. So excuse me while you debate about me and how much I'm going to cost. I'm going to go ahead and show show that I'm good products incidentally. So Chellick is an interesting character. It's played by a guy named uh, Larry Drake, who's a that guy. You might remember him as Dr. Giggles from the movie Dr. Giggles, uh, a 1992 real piece of comedy, drama, horror work. And he's been in a couple other things, uh, most notably, I think, Karate Kid. He's one of the yokels that throws beer bottles at Mr. Miyagi's car and then gets his ass beat. It's awesome. <laughs> but in this move, or, but in this show, we'll later come to find out that basically the Nanali, which is the regular, definitely human beings that yes. uh, populate this area, we're in a real bad spot. And then uh, Dr. Giggles, his alien race, whatever they were called, they specialize in efficiency and they instituted a social construct, which, uh, you know, we'll jump right in the meat and potatoes. If you're important, life's really great. And if you're not important, you're going to die alone in the dark, right? <laughs> that is correct. Uh, they have assigned a, what's China call it? A social. So yeah, a TC is what they call it. A treatment uh, uh, coefficient. Uh, I believe China calls this dystopian nonsense a social credit system. <laughs> So is this episode, I guess, like socialism bad, but universal health care good? I called this Voyager versus the U.S. healthcare system. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Captain Planet villain for the for the new age. Uh, the Captain Planet villain is Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield. <laughs> <laughs> it's Etna. Yeah. <laughs> Move over, Melon. Okay. There's a new villain in town. <laughs> Let's be clear. HMO. For, for international audience, we are not a political podcast, nor will we ever really be. But let's just say that there is not a single American alive, regardless of political affiliation, that likes American insurance companies. They are the most hated things on the planet. Hmm. I think that we can all get together and appreciate an episode of Voyager that is taking the piss on insurance companies. An episode of Voyager where the doctor injects Aetna healthcare system with AIDS intentionally, maliciously. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there to the intentional AIDS injection. So Dr. Giggles is a part of this uh, race that has installed this social construct where if you're important, you get great healthcare and if not, whatever. And um, while he is there administrating it is actually a an AI that makes the final call on who gets what, which is called what the, the allocator allocator. Yeah. Um, so you've got a couple different wheels in motion in this entire situation. But uh, for all intents and purposes, the face of the evil healthcare system is Dr. Giggles. Uh, and he likes what he sees out of the EMH. So he tells Dr. Seuss. Cool, man. I'll buy them. Even though everything else you have sold me has been like expired trash and like used heroin needles. This actually seems like it's got some potential. You got a deal. Meanwhile, the doctor is like, oh, you've got stone knives and bear skins, but don't worry. I'm pretty fucking awesome and, and starts immediately healing people. With, well, I guess he would know that warp travel is in play here. Have we seen the doctor really break prime directive yet? No, nor do I think anything he does here aside from his, I mean, his existence is a breach of the prime directive, I suppose, but he, I think I mean, he knows that if that. Gar, if, if Dr. Seuss already brought him there, that like these people are spacefaring. In yeah. The I know. mean, the assumption is probably that they are, but there's never actually any confirmation that this species has warp drive. They could be contacted by other races in the area that do, but they well, may there's not a quick have side themselves. thought. I mean, yeah, if you're already participating in the galactic community, regardless of your own technology level, I think that 
the bar is so low now after Bolana decided just to fuck with that you know, species of ancient Greeks. That, that was a uh, what if. Listen, Joe, that was not a regular canon episode. That was a what if Elseworlds. What if the Prime Directive never existed? <laughs> and you crash land on uh, planet of Greece. Why bother pulling your cape up over your head to hide the ridges on your forehead when you could just say just you're from across in, the just street? Like, Hey, I'm an alien. Hey, I'm from. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm from around the corner. Don't mind me. Okay, fine. Stay off my boyfriend's dick. <laughs> oh, look, you're a speaking, god. Stop trying to fuck him. Speaking of uh, stay off my dick, back up on Voyager, we've got uh, Tom and his bro Harry in the ugliest hockey uniforms I've ever seen walking down the hall, and uh, Harry's got a big black eye. Because during their hockey uh, game, he caught a stick to the face, and now they need the doctor to look at. Specifically, it is a stick to the face from a Nausicaan. So Tom Paris is such a giant fucking asshole that he programmed the goon on the opposing team to check his friend to be a goddamn Nausicaan. I know we're splitting hairs, but like, so... The often absent <laughs> uh, safety protocols on the, the holodeck, right? How real do you think those should be? Like, it seems like in this case, Harry ran into the stick. But is this like Westworld? Like, the bullets should be bouncing off. Like, if you, if everything, if the safeties are at 100 and you ran face first into a wall, should the holodeck turn the, the cement wall into a, a pillow cushion or, you know, cinder block? that's absorbent like foam to try and negate as much damage as possible. Or at the end of the day, you know, if you choose to get in the way of that chair, that's being thrown when bartender Michael's mad that uh, captain Janeway left him high and dry. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's on you. I think it's like uh repelling down a rock face. You've got like the whole get up with the, with the ropes as a, like a safety harness, but mm-hmm. you're still on the rocks. There's still danger. You're still going to, you're still going to scraped and bruised and have to deal with, you know, the, the minor sort of inconveniences and injuries that come with that, but you're protected theoretically till they fail, uh, from, from the big drop, you know, uh Oh, safeties are off and all of the repelling gear has now become sentient and it's killing you. (laughs) It's badgy. (laughs) The repelling harness has taken control of the ship. It's gained sentience. Also, too, they're so afraid of the doctor finding out of what they were doing. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the number two medical professional on Voyager Tom Paris? Yeah. Why isn't he like, hold on, we'll just go in. We won't turn him on. We'll we'll return him off. I'll fix this up and we'll leave. Yeah. Or, hey, let's just go back to my quarters. I'm assuming since I'm the number two doctor here, like I should have a first aid kit. Yeah. You're telling me Tom Paris... And and I'll spare all the listeners at home uh, listing off his accolades of uh, of of Mary Sudum. He your number two doctor can't fix a black eye. Yeah, it's a little rough. I, I think you're right, Joe. I think he sabotaged the program to get Harry busted in the face. Well, they go to visit the doctor and it's uh, a cardboard cutout of the doctor, basically, like kind of just looking there with his tricorder. Uh they, they explain it as a copy of him from his training exercise. who has very little programmed into it. And uh, they cut from that to the briefing room where they explain that uh, the guy they were hosting earlier, Gar. Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss has stolen the doctor. And immediately, as if our commentary 21 years later has grown sentience and traveled back in time, <laughs> Tuvok raises his hand and says, I am completely responsible. Like, no shit, you're completely responsible, you dumb fuck. How the hell does some stranger who obviously looks shifty as fuck get onto your ship and steal literally your second most important piece of technology for the warp core being the only thing more important you own, right? Right. This is number two. Number one, thing that makes your ship go. 
Got it. Mm. Check mark. Uh, let's go number three. Uh, number one is the warp core. Number two, the holodeck, because sex is very important to the 24th century Federation. I, I would guarantee you that in the library of the holodeck on Voyager, you know, in those personal sort of nooks that are under their password protection in the hopes they never be found, I would say a minimum of five erotic seven of nine related programs custom crafted per male possibly also female crew member definitely also female yeah uh let's see uh would i rather be stuck in the delta quadrant i'm sorry get home after being stuck in the delta quadrant uh or fuck literally anything i can think of let me reorder the important (laughs) (laughs) but clear number three your only medical professional, because obviously Tom's useless. Um, you know what? Stolen. We might have to restructure this further because upon learning that you need the chief medical officer's permission to have sex with uh, guest stars of the week. <laughs> Ooh. You run across a 90s hottie out there. You you need to have him there. Yeah. If your name's Harry Kim, you're, you're going to need it. The, the line specifically is Jamie looking very perplexed. And she says, how was he able to evade every security protocol on the ship what all two of them like who hasn't been able to evade every security protocol yeah that would that should have been a better answer like well i wish i was surprised but uh this is like the seventh time this has happened so the order of events there is that uh, tuvok do you literally ever do your job the cat in the hat was in the mess hall and ate some neelix food and then got sick so sick that he went to sick bay uh, where he was able to hang out and get access to the files and learn all about the doctor and then steal the doctor. I love that we never actually prove did Neelix's awful cooking make Dr. Seuss sick or was Dr. Seuss just a top shelf scam artist that got one up on Voyager. Neelix takes it personally because he thinks that you know, he's responsible for all this by poisoning him. And Janeway's like, you know, con artist got a con artist, bro. Like he was going to find his opportunity to steal, stole on us one way or another. He just, you just happened to give him a path to one re- particularly regrettable thing for him to steal. Well, I wanted Neelix to be like, yeah, we'll be that as it may. Voyager is my mark. And I'll be damned if new Jack Neelix is going to let <laughs> some fucking other space cat up in here and, and, take my prize oh don't worry the coat comes on for a nice scene later that it does lovely uh that that new jack neelix coat this is like the second time that voyager in recent memory specifically involving uh neelix too has been uh alien pumped for info the tentacle monsters got right up in those systems and and got all sorts of good info the unseen tentacle monsters again Voyager's best writing is when they let you <laughs> when they don't showcase their ineptitude. They're playing defensively. I like that. We, we uh, cut back down to the to the surface. The doctor is busily uh, continuing to treat patients and just kind of deal with the situation of, well, I can't really escape. Can't get out of here wherever the fuck I am. So I'm better off just doing my doctor shit and you know, getting a feel for where my surroundings are and you know, I'll, I'll I'll activate my solid suitor p- protocols later, and all the 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 locals are like, "Man, you're like a great doctor." Thanks. And he's like, "Yes, I am great. Appreciate you noticing." Between the allocator and Doctor Giggles, he's a big dude, mm-hmm. and I don't know who in the costume department told this guy, "Hey, you're gonna wear a skin tight silver jumpsuit like your Quicksilver Magneto's child in the comics." But that was a real dick move. <laughs> Not no. flattering at all. Also, like his face is all blotchy, like he just ran a mile upstairs. They they did this dude dirty, is what I'm saying. They definitely uh, made him feel and look slimy and contemptible, which probably uh, not exactly a subconscious choice. No, that is an ugly, ugly thing. Uh, While the doctor's peeling off more patients to check on, this is when he meets Tiny Tim. <laughs> uh because because stevie watching this one with me as well 
you know, she makes the Simpsons joke of, oh, Mr. Simpson, are we get to get going to get to California. <laughs> like the every medical drama has the tiny Tim of like the weakling who is definitely never going to survive ever in a million years, but will die at an opportune moment to, to tug on your heartstrings. He's got the black lung pop. Yeah. Guess what? It's this fucking guy. <laughs> this is a good implementation of Tiny Tim. Uh, all of the nurses and doctors working around the doctor, the EMH, are red. And part of your uh, social value, your TC, your treatment coefficient, if you're important, you get to go up to level blue which is swanky as fuck. And if uh, you are destined to die alone in the dark, down in the the dungeon that looks like Freddy Krueger should be running around dragging his claws. <laughs> Comically, like, awful. It's, it you know, level red looks like a hospital by way of the shoot. Level yes, blue. That's what I was All level red is missing is space Jesus slitting people's throats for medicine. And then level blue is a Holiday Inn Express, which means it's the pinnacle of 24th century technology. Yeah. <laughs> and the then level Inn. level white is where the bodies go. So red, white, and blue, America. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, so and it's not subtle. <laughs> it's not a subtle allegory. Tiny Tim, uh, he's got a bad score, so he is in the shoot and coughing and, and the doctor scans him and goes, oh, my God, this guy's in really bad condition. They go, oh, yeah, he's got, uh, you know, this version of space aids that we're using this week, which all it takes is one shot of penicillin to really get him turned around. And then the doctor's like, there's no penicillin. And then Tiny Tim's like, well, hey, here's my medical input showing that. I've got perhaps a really promising medical future ahead of me. I'm smart and compassionate. I have all these great things, but because I haven't realized any of this yet, the computer has given me a shitty uh, treatment coefficient. And so I'm destined to die down here in level red, the medical shoot. And the doctor's like, this is bullshit. This system, it sucks. You realize that, right? This sucks. Okay. And he realizes how much it sucks when he is called up to level blue. He sees the wonder of the Holiday Inn Express interior with that carpeting that's barely carpeting. And, you know, these the glass, the full lighting that is occurring. Like, they turn all, all, all of the lights on, you mm-hmm. know, to to really enhance the mood. They ran and the vacuum cleaner. There's a, there's a fun scene where he's like uh, uh, being introduced to Dr. Dysick. There, there's two doctors that we get to know. Vosge, the doctor on red. Dysick, the doctor on blue. Uh, and they're like talking about him while he's standing there. And, be, and he's like, stop talking about me. Like, I'm not here. Like, I'm a piece of equipment. Like, I, I'm, I'm not used to that. They stopped doing that five seasons ago. Like, Did they? I feel like it wasn't all that long ago that Janeway fell right back in her loop of, uh, you know, your equipment. There's an interesting dichotomy at play. The red level... The shoot doctors, very robotic in the way they go about to do. No compassion, no investment. <clears throat> the system has broken them. Yeah, and they're seeing so much death they can't afford to be compassionate. Would... And, and not just broken and... them, but even the patients as well. Everybody has um, accepted the treatment coefficient, the number value assigned to the value of life, and that is the the way of life on this planet. You got to do very fatalistic. It. And I will say from personal experience of friends of mine who are who are doctors, this this concept of you can only afford to have so much compassion in emergency medical settings is very real. Like that they dialed that in, I think, in a, in a fashion that it's quite a nag- uh, 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 quite uh, similar to real life. They take it a step further because it's not all emergency. There's a lot of sick people there and people who have relatively easy to cure things are still condemned to death just because they will never be afforded. Yeah, the uh, system is comically atrocious in its use <laughs> of, of resources to really like, you know, slam the point home because uh, the life saving medication that could literally save a do- dozen lives on, on level red on level blue is being used as sort of like an extra boost to make it so that your arteries don't get hard. They're Flintstone vitamins, basically. Yeah. They're like 
they might as well be treatment things. They might as well be Viagra. So uh, just to make sure you know that this system is bullshit, this clear life-saving medication can easily be given on, on uh, level red at no negative expense to anyone on level blue will not be provided because Sharon might not get that extra 2% that she's looking for out of her life expectancy. And she's more important. So that extra 2% is better than the life of anyone on level red. I just went through and double checked this. Yeah, this was Kenneth Biller and uh, Rob Doherty doing this. It was not, in fact, the two guys from uh, South Park, because that's the level of satire that yeah. this episode's really able to broach here. Yeah. Is <laughs> Star Trek South Can Park. I cure their AIDS? No, you cannot. <laughs> so despite the the humorous levels of satire going on here, we get a pretty uh, convincing setup, right? Uh, little Timmy's dying downstairs. People are living good at the top. I don't know if uh, you saw Snowpiercer, which was not my favorite movie, but there's a lot of similarities between the two here. And yeah, I think that movie got a little overhyped, but it was decent. Yeah. All of this serves as a endless trip buffet at Golden Crail or whatever trough you prefer to think of. <laughs> For Robert Picardo to go ham on. Oh, yeah. He does not waste a single moment. And you take a guy who has been living this uh, I play a doctor on TV lifestyle for seven years now. And he digs into this stuff like a chainsaw into warm butter. That's a really good way of putting it, Peter. Like he has become so comfortable playing a doctor on TV there's a certain kind of groove you get into with simulating that behavior and inhabiting that character through the script that uh, can only come with time and repetition, right? Like the first mm-hmm. time you do a scene where you're doing medical things, it's going to be a lot different than the, you know, hundredth or two hundredth time you're doing a scene like that. And so for this episode to come so late in the run of the show, he's able to just, just get his his full hands around it, you know? And he makes you feel like the doctor is a medical professional in a way that feels very authentic and lived in that both a talented actor and an actor with the time to establish that relationship with the character he's playing can convey. Really, this is a giant vanity piece for him. This is this is a masturbation piece for the EMH, which I'm happy to watch, obviously. Uh, but you take all the things that the EMH is supposed to embody. They are all at play at 200% here and it's only through shackling and enslaving him that the plot is able to finally uh, start to rein him in and it's a real joy to watch you've got both sides of the medical spectrum in play here uh, Dr. what was Dysic? is Dysic the blue one? Dysic is blue blue which is the cold professional uh, side of the system that's dealing with the upper crust and he's very reserved You've got the um, beaten down, downtrodden red level doctor. Vosge. Vosge, which the doctor, the EMH is able to take both of these characters and remold them into something uh, beneficial to the patient. He takes the red level doctor and breathes compassion into them. And he takes the uh, well-to-do head doctor and (laughs) I don't know, injects him with like extra capitalism or something. And he corrupts him to the point where he starts breaking the system to the benefit. He he uh, reminds the doctor from the blue section that the better he is at his job, the less he's going to have. <laughs> he reminds he reminds him that government does not reward thrift, <laughs> which is true. That was one of my favorite things I think I've ever seen in Star Trek. I'm like, okay, so 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 the doctor starts fixing the situation by going up to the blue level and saying, Hey, we're going to give these people extra, extra medicine. They don't need. And we're going to take the second extra part of the medicine. And we're going to Robin hood that down to the, the poor sickly people on red and uh, well-to-do doctors like, Hey, uh, I know what you're doing. And EMH plays it off. It's like, no man, listen, budgets, if you only use what you need and you're doing a good job, you're going to have a smaller budget. And it's like, it, it's not breaking the fourth wall, but it's like stuff that's very real to me professionally. Same. I literally do that to people, Peter. 
That's my job. <laughs> I know that's true. I, I I did it today. Oh, you didn't spend that. I guess you don't need it. Literally had that conversation. Very true. What do you mean you wrapped up all the construction and now you have all of your construction barrels back in the warehouse? You're not going to be able to have more construction. You need to believe those construction barrels on the street to piss as many people off so you can get more. You don't want less construction barrels. You want more, right? Yeah, well, do it. So uh, that that was a very real talk moment for him. The whole the whole thing that the doctor ends up going on is a very rebellious crusade to save as many lives as possible. He gives no fucks whatsoever about the situation he's in. He doesn't care what he's breaking. He doesn't care about anyone's feelings. He's like, this is stupid, and I will do whatever it is pow- whatever is possible to convince everyone that I can that it's stupid and save people li- people's lives. And fuck you if you don't like it. He Up is- to and including uh, premeditated murder. Hold on. before we get there because it's the best part of the the episode we do have a little bit of action back on the ship that we need to get to there's a lot these types of episodes are pretty common for voyager where and you know it's been a while since we've called it but this is totally a jailbreak episode we're we're back to basics we're back to season one season two voyager in a big way here um normally the all the the focus is on the prisoner but I think this episode does a really, really great job of not only giving you this compelling uh, planet side story of the doctor, but like all the shit that Voyager does to track down the cat in the hat is fucking badass. It, it is both fun and like there's actual like comedy beats to it that are, are pretty entertaining and also interesting. Uh, the. The search begins with them trying to find Gar through his warp signature. It turns out you already thought of that. There was a buoy that they he used it as a distraction. So like, fuck, what do we do next to try and find this guy? Okay, well, let's use our sensor logs and long-range scans. Can we try and find the, the decay rate of the ore he traded us? We can. Where did it come from? We went here. How f- Tom, how long is it going to take us to get there? Two hours. Hit it. <laughs> let's go. Let's find this fucker. So they get there, and that guy's like, hey, you've got my fucking shit. My sensors work, too. And they realize, oh, this guy conned you as well. We're happy to give you your stolen property back, but we've only got part of it. Do you know where it went? Oh, I think he said he was from here. Holy and then you shit. Go, you go to Hold, this... Stop, 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 stop the presses, Joe. Stop the presses. Okay. I just, I just pulled up Gar's fucking IMDB. John Kassir. This is a fucking Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt. What? What? Gar is the Crypt Keeper? This is the Crypt Keepers running hot game on Tuvok, Joe. Oh my god. You're right. Holy shit. Had I missed this, had I had another Ugg moment, I I might have done something I would have regretted. This Wow. Tuvok, you're terrible. A dead guy's running game on you. <laughs> this is the Crypt Keeper. Oh, and he did play the the Grinch. What did he, what was what did he play the Grinch in? Just a just additional voices, but he he was in the there there is a Doctor Seuss connection there. Okay, yeah, I see. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. This guy's got some good stuff on him. Wow. So the Crypt Keeper. We'll stop calling him <laughs> Doctor Seuss. We're calling the Crypt Keeper now, right? We have to. We have to represent that we didn't, in fact, have an ugh moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the Crypt Keeper has left a trail of crushed human, crushed aliens in his wake. We start with a guy who is a duped business partner who's like, you know, I was told he was re- reputable. I don't, I was, he came from the highest possible, you know, credible recommendation. Like who, rec- for in, in this sequence of shots is great. Cause it starts with Janeway, like standing at the bridge, like with her head, hit her hands on her hips. Like, yes, I'm official captain lady. Tell me, tell me your tale. And they go to the next person. And Basically next- what we're getting right here is live fast and prosper. Part two. The next person's actually Jerry from parks and, and rec the same guy who played jerry on that show which my wife immediately caught like as soon as he was on screen because he blubbers the same way 
He's like, yeah, I'm the guy who recommended him. Came recommended from my my wife. And they're like, where's your wife? Well, she's not here. <laughs> and it's like, oh, God, they're going to do this joke, aren't they? Like, she left me. <laughs> like, holy crap. And now, like, Janeway is like her. She's gotten from I'm dealing with this, like, and if, you know, w- with the seriousness that it deserves to. Oh, no, this is. This is getting bad. I don't. I don't. I don't deal with feelings <laughs> like this. this is not compatible. Okay, where's your wife? I, I I'm not convinced to return to you. Just where where is she physically? And they cut to the wife, and now she's like beaten down. She's like leaning into the <laughs> into the railing, just like yeah. And the, she's like super smitten. Like yeah, have you seen my husband? Ooh, did you see how fat he was? Oh, fat shaming. How unstarched. Only the crypt keeper can uh, satisfy <laughs> my loins. You see that man? He is so beautiful. You can't stay. Don't you take my man. And she's like, just reaches over to Tuvok's hand. It's like, I have a, a man. Just tell me what I... F- L- lie to her, please. Lie to her. She's, he's like, uh, 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 we have a business opportunity. And so she just immediately coughs up her his location on that basis. Like, oh, in that case, this is a secret hiding place. Thank um, you. Stuff like this, I, I can see going both ways. I can, I, th- I think most of the time I'm on the side saying like, this is dumb and I don't enjoy this and start, this is, this is bad Star Trek humor. But in this case, it all, it it all works. works great. It clicks, man. It, it is the way they, they, frame the shots the way they just go boom 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 the, the writing's good and yeah uh, kate mulgrew really seals the deal it's her her slow defeat at the hands of these <laughs> exasperation of like oh, of these man. marks getting ripped off as, as they have to backtrack and again like i said it's it's straight up the same uh sequence of events from live fast and prosper as they track down who has uh who has wronged them in the what space Yahoo has wronged them in the Delta Quadrant? You can see on her face the I went to Starfleet Academy. Mm-hmm. I've spent like 20 years on my career. To I talked to the Captain. Borg Queen at random. Look and at me. He, I'm so a Q wanted to hump me. I'm so important. And now I am reduced to chasing after the Crypt Keeper who, you know, fucking stole a man's wife. Who stole my doctor because I've never been bothered to tell people to quit fucking in the holodeck long enough to put someone through holodeck college med school. I've never bothered to lock any doors either. <laughs> after seven years. I've been unwilling to break my neptatistic appointment of my BFF Tuvok as security chief despite how many times we've had game run on us. It should be Lieutenant Ayala so hard right now. That man can just stand there silently. He, you mm. know, if he gets promoted security chief, he should just wear the vest over his Starfleet. <laughs> send a fucking message. You know, like, mm-hmm. there's a new sheriff in town and he wears a, a, a catcher gear and he has a smolder. They flip and flop back between the doctor as he starts uh, breaking the system and fully taking on U.S. healthcare. Uh Normally, I'd go into the whole thing about, you know, the doctor, AI, ethics, lying, all that other stuff. Um, I I think we're past it at this point. We know that the doctor is a very dangerous piece of technology that has no constraints on him. Up to the end, there is at least the excuse that his imperative to treat people and to save lives is paramount to anything else. So... You can accept the oh, he will lie, cheat, and steal as long as he's able to actually help people. I forget of all of it because at the end of the episode, specifically, attention is called by Hold the to doctor yes. to his behavior while he's talking to Seven of Nine, saying, "Am I defective? I've done things that I should never have entertained doing." Uh, and they examine it and they give you a reason. I don't care what they say. I can accept it because you jump over to the Dream Warrior Chakotay episode where he was literally willing to nuke an entire species from orbit just to make sure. <laughs> and not a fuck is given, right? Right. So great rating on that. And yeah, he he behaves very rogue AI and it's very gratifying to watch. Um, before, before we get to that moment, because we're I'm sure we'll dive deep on it and I want to. 
there's one more thing that happens on Voyager and it's the coat gets put on. Well, before even that, there is one of the coolest shots I've seen Voyager do. They finally find where uh, the Crypt Keeper is chilling out, right? Right. And they go, well, we don't want to spook him. So in the most ballsy move since, uh, what was the Trabe episode? Where God, Jan- yeah. Janeway's Epis- like, season two, whatever that was. Drop us out of warp right on top of him and snatch him up into a tractor beam in the most smash and grab <laughs> moment. They just roll right up to the club, man. They're just like, whoop! <laughs> Got him. They bam, they they boom tube out of warp right on top of him. It's like, uh, was it Pegasus? No, it was, ba- it was it was Galactica that they they popped in on the Cylon death camp. Oh, Remember? yeah, yeah. So that was the end of season two, beginning of season three, when they like jailbreak off of New Caprica and they like pop in in the atmosphere. Is that what you're talking Drop, about? Yes. It's like one of the yeah. most hardcore moments in sci-fi history ever. Just spewing vipers everywhere. This obviously isn't like that overboard, but just watching Voyager jump out of warp on top of a poor little shuttlecraft and throw a tractor beam on it and, and start aggressive negotiation and Crypt Keeper's playing coin. She's like, okay, well, you know what? You can go in the space pokey and uh, I'm going to trap <laughs> you in there with uh tuvok and he is going to bore you to death and you're going to be so upset they go to the to the to the brig and tuvok's like tell me what i want to know and the guy's like i don't know anything look at me i have a spooky story to tell you (laughs) and he's like i could just do a mind meld would you prefer i just do a mind meld i just mind melded half the fucking crew into being terrorist again all day i'll mind meld that guy Mm -hmm. I, i don't even know him I might meld you. You're an alien. I don't know what's in your brain. You could have more event horizon shit in there. Who cares? Yeah. At this point, I'm a mess. I'm Something crazy. Something about holidays. It's real serious. What was the line? But, it's a holy day. Oh, oh it's a holy day. Yeah. <laughs> and that's You'll when... be wearing an umpire vest. You're not going to know what hits you, cat. Neelix think... comes in at this point with a coat on and some food. He puts the food down. I mean, like, hey, sorry, you know uh prisoner regulations he's got a lot to be allowed to eat tuvok can chill for a second here's some food for you real sorry about the last time i got you sick my bad he's like oh so i'm starving he starts two things going on here one tuvok's attempt to interrogate this guy and uh and threaten him and 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 get creative is a nice spiritual successor to live fast and prosper where the last time he tried doing this he was terrible this time I think he's doing pretty well for himself. Second thing, Neelix has a look on his face like he definitely peed in the soup. <laughs> I would never eat it, right? Like he, his tell is right there. But Ethan Phillips has an Ethan Phillips smile of saying, I wiped my butt with this pizza. <laughs> so he waits till the guy's about halfway through his meal where he says it looks like he's eating a bird nest, by the way. Oh, I I put I put some special sauce in there, but if it doesn't agree with your physiology, uh, you're going to literally shit yourself for thirty hours. It's not affecting you, right? And that's when, like, you you see like him go, uh, uh, oh no, my stomach's. He's like, oh man, you know there is an antidote for you shitting yourself for thirty hours, but we don't know how to make it because the doctor's gone. Where is he? And <laughs> listen to me, you fucking corpse, <laughs> Dr. Seuss looking motherfucker. I brought this ship to its knees with a with a piece of cheese. Do you think your tummy stands a chance against my cooking against New Jack Neelix? I am. I sling poison with the best of them, sir. And then to, to, to just cap this beautiful scene off. You have Tuvok, who was clearly not in on this, is like, are you, are you poisoning him? Are you seriously poisoning him? That is not okay. And Neely just looks at him and goes, I'm pretty sure I heard you threaten a fucking mind melt when I came in. So tell you what, let's just poison the guy and just get him cooperating. How about that, huh? I think, I don't think you throw any, any, any stones in my direction today. You were literally threatening to brain rape this man 10 seconds before I came in here. 
let's 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 let that settle set in for a second. Uh, I'm trying to think of something that's not incredibly inf- offensive. Um, <laughs> oh, this is gonna be hard. <laughs> let's say that last week, uh, you had walked around at the mall pointing a gun. That was the plot of the episode. Was you you walked around at the mall pointing a gun in everybody's face, uh, mugging them, right? And right. it turns out that that wasn't really you. It was something making you crazy. But you still walked around putting your gun in everybody's face, right? Everyone's right. like, wow, man, that was that was a real mess. You almost got us all in a lot of trouble and, and whatever. Okay, cool. And then this week, I catch you putting a gun in someone's face like... <laughs> fucking oh uh, last week you pooped on all of the floors and all of the toilets in the building but it wasn't really you you were you were having a mental illness and then this week i catch you walking into one of the baths like no no dude listen it's too this you can't too soon no I don't care if an alien made you do it before. You're banned. Yeah. You're banned. Soft banned. Three months. Too soon. Talking about no. putting your hands on someone's face. Get out of here, Tupac. Too too soon. I just love that he actually said it. Like, you expect that, you know, that moment would not happen. But here we are. Like, he actually just like calls him out, like, straight to his face. Like, no, nah, bro. I heard, you, I heard you threaten that shit right before I came in. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna poison him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's my turn. Here's the thing, Blue. We used to be the same person, and I know you're serious about putting Event Horizon in his brain. <laughs> we'll go with my with my poison bird nest, okay? Uh, so yeah, Crypt Keeper finally coughs up where the doctor's being held. Voyager flies over to Planet um, Lucas Arts and uh, starts trying to contact the doctor. The doctor. Has gotten himself into a bit of a situation uh, through yes. his hijinks of siphoning off uh, medicine to try and be the Robin Hood that the space station needs. Uh, has angered Doctor Giggles, who knows goddamn well what's going on, and in a vindictive street, has basically undone all the Doctor's work, including and- allowing Tiny Tim to die on purpose. Yeah, some real dick moves. In case Dr. Giggles had not made it perfectly clear, Dr. Giggles is a bad guy. Yeah. The EMH goes <laughs> down to uh, the chute and has this uh, night's batch of extra medicine to start passing out. And he goes over to where Tiny Tim's sleeping in. Oop, it's an old lady now. Oh my gosh, what happened? Oh, Tiny Tim died. So uh, EMH goes to confront Dr. Giggles. Dr. Giggles is like, yeah, I know it's up. Also, you're too big of a pain in the ass. So now uh, I'm going to just go ahead and flat out enslave you. And the allocator is going to hold your leash and teleport you to every little job as you get micromanaged to bejesus and back. So the doctor finally finds a way to kind of skirt around the system, get some assistance. We go through the a little bit of pain by number. All of the Colonel Campbell protocols are definitely helping him because he hacks the computer to page uh, the uh, Dr. Um, Voge uh, from level red to come up to level blue. We don't see him do it. He just says he did it. <laughs> like I'm guessing the Denali don't have a good literature element within their society where they have uh, explored the realms of science fiction and the implications of rogue AI. They haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> yeah. The doctor didn't share any of his experiences with other murderous holograms. God, I wish I could remember which episode it was. Uh, the aliens guy who was killing people with a pipe. Oh, was it the one that he was like the guy who was cleaning like the the radioactive the janitor? Area? Yeah, the warp janitor guy. Yeah, I'm guessing he didn't re- <laughs> ever fill any of these guys. I'm like, yeah, when we go crazy, we get real crazy. Um, It's good stuff. It works. The scenes, they, you know, the doctor kind of desperate to get out of a situation. I think at a certain level, the doctor is resigned that he might never leave this place and he'd rather go down swinging instead of trying to atone for his perceived slights here. And especially once Tiny Tim is dead, 
uh, the kids' gloves come off. And this all culminates in uh, Dr. Giggles coming down to punish the doctor some more. The doctor gets him with some judo. And instead of the karate chop to the neck, it is a syringe full of AIDS. It is not the ending you would expect, right? There's going to be a plan. You know, maybe he's going to help uh, Dr. Eagles finally grow a conscious. No, he literally jerks his head back and gives him a hypo spray chock full of extremely virulent AIDS and then puts him on a gurney and says, I'm going to watch your fucking fat ass die if you don't help me. There was an it's old ep- pretty baller. There's an old episode of uh, Cracked or Bad TV, and it's uh, this guy who wakes up from a drunken stupor and finds out that he had been so drunk for so long that he managed to get himself elected president of the United States, and that he was able to cure AIDS and cancer by taking all the heads of all the biopharmaceutical research places and injecting all of them with all of the viruses and sicknesses, and within six months they had a cure for everything. Well, that's the doctor right here. (laughs) That's exactly what he has decided to do. He's like, you know what? Head of Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield. You know (laughs) what you need to do? You need to go to the free clinic and see what life is like. It's clever the way he did it. He took uh, Tiny Tim's spit and injected that in his neck. So now the computer views him as uh, someone with an extremely low TC. And Dr. Giggles gets the full brunt of the shitty system coming down on him. And he'll call all the doctors to his side to try and get um, the antidote administrated. But at this point, the red level doctor has become compassionate and understands the system is fundamentally broken and is welcome to, to let the doctor giggle suffer. And the blue level doctor has become very corrupt and understands that he <laughs> has getting been getting fucked by the by the insurance agency and that he... Uh, is not okay with that. And uh, they both just kind of sit there and say, yeah, we're, we're fine with watching you die. Fuck you. Fat and ass. that's, and that's when uh, Chakotay and I think Bawana beam, <laughs> beam in with their guns out. And he's like, oh, the doctor's like, Oh, Hey, my ride's here. Wait one second, guys. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm torturing someone right now. I need to wrap this up. <laughs> Voyager shows up. They hail the medical vessel. They get the uh, the computer, the, the computer, and the computer's like, "Hi, leave your message for uh, doctor for for Doctor Giggles." And we're like, "Well, we need to talk to Doctor Giggles." Well, he's busy, and you can't talk to anybody else. So leave a message at the beep. And they're like, "Well, that's inconvenient. Let's just beam over there with guns out." <laughs> hey, let's let's transport into the hospital with our guns out. Hey, hey, everybody, we come in peace. (laughs) Starfleet. I know we didn't call ahead, but that's because we don't care. Yeah, Yeah, we did. We called one time and the line was busy. So here we are with our guns. (laughs) Luckily for them, though, we heard you bought... We heard you bought something from Dr. Suit from a space cat. So we're here with our guns out. <laughs> Luckily for them, their crewmate slash toaster is currently torturing the man in charge. <laughs> breaking the prime directive, breaking moral and ethical protocols. Hard to know. Hard to say. But he's going to wrap this up before he leaves. So What's he literally missing says, here? Hold on one second. He literally goes like, hey. Just, hey guys, good to see you. Glad you're here. Appreciate you. I'm in the middle of something. <laughs> and he goes back to like, hey, are we going to let this guy die? I just, F, what's up? What are we going to do here? What the scene's missing is Balana tapping Chakotay on the shoulder, man, like, hey, hey I, I've seen this before. He's trying to kill somebody. When, when we get back to the ship, we need to turn him off like lickety split because he. He's done this to me several times now where he has tortured slash tried to kill me. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely the look. Uh, Dr. Giggles finally realizes that uh, nobody cares if he dies uh, and agrees to in much the same way that 
Voyager always does like, hey, here's the the plot and you've got, you know, institutional global problem. But this one guy decides, yeah, this one time I'm going to bend the rules. and We're going to fix it. And everybody can leave like, oh, gosh, we we fix everything. Like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure once Voyager leaves, like all these people are going to go to jail and there's going to be some horrific consequences for everyone yeah. involved. There's going to be some. Uh, what was that episode? Uh, time, not time caps, living witness. <laughs> there's gonna be some real living witness level repercussions going on here the day voyager arrived and destroyed our healthcare system for good yeah so i bought this piece of software that turned out to be murderous rogue uh it tried to kill me it really abused all of our rules and also his friends came in with guns and then stole them back at the end whatever they 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 try to tell the audience that hey everything's fixed and great and tiny tim will never happen again yeah sure whatever and then the doctor, with fresh blood on his hands, returns to Voyager. And this is where he has the scene with Seven of Nine, who, which is Seven of Nine's like only seen the past two episodes. So crazy. Does she have like something it, huge coming up? I mean, it's Seven of Nine. You never know. I feel like but, they're charging their lasers. You know, they have a, a scene where he eventually we we already talked about it a bit, where he says to Seven of Nine, "I need you to look at my program." Um, little worried I might be broken because I tortured a man and felt okay about it. I'm pretty sure I'm not supposed to be able to do that yet. I did it. So maybe my ethical subroutines aren't working. Can you check out what's going on? And she looks it over and tries to give him a, a pep talk and that sort of awkward Borg way in which she does. Uh, and ultimately has to tell him you're in perfect health. You made those decisions because you felt they were the right thing to do, not because you're flawed. And the episode just kind of leaves off on that moment. It goes fades to black right from there. Uh, but it's another brick in the wall of the doctor is no longer a program. He's a person. He is doing things he should not be able to do. And now he recognizes that and the show is recognizing that with this scene, which is to say this was not a fucking accident. You have evolved such that you can torture someone and make it fit into your personality. How very human of you. <laughs> I like the scene. I wish that it was between the doctor and Bellana. Uh The Bellana has served as the doctor's doctor from the beginning, being the one to make the primary adjustments uh, to monitor the doctor's well-being and to implement changes in diagnostics. The doctor has also been the one to torture her and she has been the one to torture the doctor. So I think this would have really been a good moment of some mutual respect and kind of closure, on, not closure, but just, you know, uh, a nice bookend to their relationship on these sorts of things. But I get that. Yeah. Jerry Ryan hasn't been used at all and you got to give her something. So it might as well be this. It makes sense to be her, if not Balana, because she's the doctor's closest personal confidant at this point. So, and you know, her whole reflecting on her humanity has been obviously her big character touch point. So it fits in its own way. But I agree. I think I would have liked Polana more. But still, great episode. Great way to end it. I don't really have a serious complaint about any of this. Uh, I don't either. This is this is great. This is a good yeah. Voyager story. Everybody, it's Picardo heavy. And like I said, I mean, this was an episode built around his strength. This is the exact polar opposite of what Virtuoso was. Virtuoso played to the doctor's worst qualities and tried to present it as something interesting and it failed miserably. Uh, this was genuinely engaging. And again, I think the really standout feature of this episode is that all the Voyager uh, uh, wild goose chase stuff was, was rewarding to watch and fun and pacing was good. Uh, all the guest stars did a great job and um, it all just worked. It was good. What are we watching next week, Peter? We're getting into season seven, episode six, Inside Man. There he is. There's my boy, Barkley. <laughs> Hands up saying, stop, don't shoot. He's on the holodeck. Direct from Starfleet, a hologram of Barkley arrives with instructions to get Voyager home within three days. I mean, spoiler, it won't work out. But... 
Yeah, so, believe it or not, the last uh, 20-some episodes <laughs> of Voyager all take place within three days after this episode. It turns into like this weird 24 situation. However, it is a, you know, it is an episode with, um, we'll call it some positive features. It's, yeah, man. It's a, it's a fun one. I'll say that. It's a it's a fun one, and I don't want to spoil anything else, actually, because it's going to bring back some memories, some not good memories, <laughs> but there's a lot here. We'll watch it together. We'll talk about it next week on V'ger, please. I hate for Voyage to the Delta Quadrant. Thank you so much, as always, for your time, attention, downloads, positive reviews, Patreon, uh, patronage, whatever, emails, tweets, shares, shares, do your thing we love memes you. on the facebook group all the memes see you soon